Praise God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Bless his holy name. Bless his holy name. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And all the people said, praise God. Praise the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise his holy name now and forever. Hallelujah. Glory, glory, glory to God. Thank the Lord for such a precious spirit in our service this morning. A wonderful presence of the Lord to, to anoint us to worship him and to wait before him to have the Holy Spirit move among us. And I don't believe that God is through with us in this service. Not by any means is He through with us yet. God has great things for us in the closing of this service. I want to ask you to uh, share yeah, to share with me this morning verses of Scripture that uh, will lead me into a message that I have called what to do when your faith fails. Mark chapter 9. Jesus, along with the three close disciples of his inner circle, Peter, James, and John, had been on a mountaintop where they had seen a marvelous thing. Jesus was trained in their sight and they saw with him Elijah and Moses it was a powerful experience unlike anything they'd ever had or ever would have they came down from the mountain and as always when we come down from the mountaintop of powerful spiritual experiences we step into the reality of everyday life when they got to the bottom of the mountain there was a discussion going on. In fact, the scripture says they were arguing. They were discussing why his disciples could not heal a boy that the, his father had brought to him to get him set free. And uh, Jesus came down and said, what is it that you're talking about? And uh, what, he actually said in the English Standard Version, what are you arguing about? And, and they said, uh, we, want to know, uh, we want to know why your disciples couldn't Heal this boy. And uh, Jesus, of course, went on to do, engage in teaching with them. And then he turned to the, to the father of the boy and talked to him about the boy being delivered. And, and uh, he asked him how, what, it, what his son's condition was. He explained it to him. And then as he did, Jesus said to him that uh, uh, I'm here to... I'm here to minister to you. And then the father said something to him that was very, very revealing. He said, if you ha can have compassion on him, if you can heal him. 
And Jesus said, if you can, what kind of faith is that? If you can. And then he said, all things are possible to him who believes. And at that point, the man said what we would probably all say many days of our lives. He had already questioned the authority of Jesus. Jesus had challenged him on that. And he said, all things are possible to him who believes. And suddenly the man said, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Have you ever said that? Lord, I believe. And then you were honest enough to immediately say after that, help my unbelief. This man was newly exposed to Jesus. He hadn't had a lot of teaching. Quite obviously he had not. But he was an honest person. And he believed what Jesus said, but he also knew that he didn't have an understanding as a basis for belief from that point going forward. And he did not. He was looking not just for a flash of faith, but a foundation of faith. A lot of us live in those flash moments. Oh, we want God to heal somebody. We want God to answer prayer. We want deliverance. We want this miracle. And many times when prayer is answered, we go on from that point just as we always had been before with no changes at all. Not any greater faith, not any stronger faith, not any more commitment, not any more consecration. Just go on waiting for the next thing that God decides to do to come along. I believe, Lord, right now. But after this, I want you to help my unbelief. It's not an unworthy prayer. It's not something to, to challenge him about. I, I, I actually say it to his credit because I believe he was an honest man. Lord, I believe. I believe you can heal my son. You're making it known to me that you can. And then right after that, Jesus does heal his son. But before his son is healed, he says, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. You see, I was reading this week in Hebrews chapter 11. It's called the great faith chapter. At least that I call it that. And, and sometimes called the chapter of the hall of heroes of faith. You read the 11th chapter of Hebrews and it tells about these people who conquered, who made decisions, who lived, who endured, who accomplished because of their faith. It is not a chapter of faith about God healing and delivering and sending mighty signs and wonders and power. It isn't a chapter about that. It's a chapter about people who had faith to endure. Faith to hold on. Faith to live daily. Faith to give up the pleasures and take the consequences. Faith to say what God has said He will do. I'm going to live not based on what I see and not based on what I might think. I'm going to live based on what God has said and what God has promised. That's what Hebrews chapter 11 is about. And you, and, and you ought to go read it. Because it will tell you that faith isn't just a flash. Faith is a foundation. 
And it's a foundation for us to live on every day of our lives. And when we live on that foundation, we can learn and experience living in victory. But you see, so much of the time, we want to choose what is our way and not choose to live in God's way. And that's lack of faith. Now, I'm going to say something to you right now that I'm saying to myself. Every now and then I say to myself, if you're discouraged, you're not believing the promises of God. I said that I say that to myself because I don't want to put judgment on you. So every now and then I say to myself, I repeat, if you are discouraged, you're not believing the promises of God. And if it's true for me, it might be true for you. <laughs> because you see, the, the real truth of the matter is, our future is as bright as the promises of God. God either keeps His word or He doesn't. And if He does, He keeps it. If he doesn't, he doesn't. But if he does, he keeps it. And everywhere I see in the Bible, it tells me he keeps his word. Even all the way to that little one chapter book of Titus. He says, God is not one who can lie. The Old Testament, God is not a man that he should lie. Psalms 89, 34. My covenant, the Lord says, I will not break nor alter the word that has gone out of my lips. If I said it, I'll do it. But you see, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Because so much of the time, we live not based on the promises of God, but based on what we want the promises of God to tell us Instead of what the promises of God do tell us, we want to live based on what we want them to tell us. And my friend, I will tell you this categorically without question. When every time you choose your own way, every time you choose your own way, you'll choose the wrong way. Amen. Because choosing your way is choosing the wrong way. Your own way is the wrong way. The right way is God's way. Oh, but pastor... I don't want to hear that. I didn't come to hear that. Are you going to say it again? Tell me so I can keep my ears closed up. Yeah, I'm going to say it again. <laughs> when you choose your own way, you choose the wrong way. I know that's hard to understand. You know, I will be honest with you to say, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Sometimes I don't understand that. I think faith ought to be perfect. When you have faith, you have faith. If you don't, you don't. But sometimes, when you think you have faith, it just doesn't work that day. Not like you want it to. It doesn't work that day like you want it to. And I don't have any formula to make it work the way you want it to. Or the way I want it to. 
What I know is this. We have to walk with God and believe what He says and live by what He says and trust that He is going to bring to pass His plan and His purpose in our life because that's God has, because God has set us in place in our lives for that very reason, to fulfill His plan in us. I know you don't understand sometimes why you're sick. You don't understand why your relatives are sick. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to preach on why bad things happen to good people, but we could do that. But, but I'm, I'm trying to tell you that there are times when your faith isn't perfect. There are times when your faith may seem to fail. But that doesn't mean that you wander off the reservation and start saying, well, I'm going to live my way and do it the way God says do it. <laughs> Don't do it the way God says do it. Do it the way I say do it. Because when you choose your own way, you will choose the wrong way. But pastor... Now, I, I know you have good intentions, and I know you're trying to tell me something for my good. But listen, I've thought about this, and I've worked it all out, and I know God's Word says this. But I believe I'll do this. And you probably will. And when you do, You'll do it wrong. Because when you choose your own way, you choose the wrong way. God has a way. God has a plan. God has a purpose. And if you live in steadfast faith, not it, it isn't always mountaintop faith. See, the boy got healed at the base of the mountain after the transfiguration. They went, Jesus went down in the midst of a controversy for that to happen. That's what life is, my friends. And that's what it's going to be. You know, this is something important. I said when you choose your own way, you choose the wrong way. Every time you make a choice based on faith or the word of God, you say, well, I, I want, today I want to do what God wants me. Every, every time you make a choice, you have the opportunity to be right and you have the opportunity to be wrong. <laughs> you, you, you know sometimes when you're making that choice, you're making the wrong choice. You know it while you're doing it. You know it doesn't lead to victory. It doesn't lead to prosperity. It doesn't lead to happiness. It doesn't lead to the glory of God. But you're going to go on and do it because that's what you feel like doing. And you see, the stronger your faith is, the less you will do that. The stronger your faith is, the more you will settle on doing what God wants you to do. I'm going to tell you some things right now that I've been hesitant. I, 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 I made this note here, and I put, I'm trying to think, but I'm going to tell you. I'm going to say these things because some of you are going to have problems understanding some things that happen. It doesn't matter, it doesn't matter what level you rise to in the church in the world. There is, there is a church presence in the world. And there are people who are leaders of the church in the world. Now follow me. There are people who are leaders because God's designated them as a leader. Or sometimes man just thought God had designated them as one and they appointed him. But anybody... I don't care what level you have arisen to 
in this world or in this life, in your profession, in the church, or anywhere else, anybody is subject to fail if we do not maintain our faith and live in the strength of the faith of God every day. Anybody's subject to fail. And when I read these things in the paper and I hear these things, I, 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 I'm, I'm filled with consternation. The pastor of a, of, a, of a great church, a great church in size, and I believe a great church in ministry, out in the West, is found in homosexual encounters and ousted from his church, as he should have been. And, 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 and uh, why would somebody who, who is at that place, leader of a great uh, international ministry as well as a great church. Why would somebody do that? Why would somebody let that appetite overcome them to fail? Why would, why would somebody who's the leader of a, of a great church, great church by size with thousands upon thousands of people, right, in our neighborhood almost in Atlanta, why would that person coerce people and... and uh, and, and, and cause young men to enter into sexual relationships that are ungodly and, 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 and face the consequences of that legally and spiritually in every other way. And then I, and, and then I, I thought, well, I'm, I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt every way I can. The next thing I know, his wife's filing for divorce, and that kind of tells me something right there too. If all this is, I think maybe it's not true, then I think, well, she must know, and she sure knows more than I know. See, I'd rather believe the best about all of it as long as I can. But on and on and on. This, this, is, this is not a small thing, you know. The leader, of a, the leader of, a, of a national, even international ministry is found to be consorting with prostitutes. I mean, it, it seems like it just goes on and on and on. It doesn't have an end to it. And, the, and, the, and then there are, are people... In, in ministry who, are, who, are, who, who face these kinds of things by trial. I, what I'm astonished at, what I'm astonished at is the fact that leaders, leaders of churches can divorce. Maybe husband and wife are both leaders. They get a divorce and just go right on like nothing's ever happened. God just led us to do this. This is what God led us to do. No wonder the world the world has no confidence in the church. No wonder the world thinks that we're squirrely. <laughs> looks at us and says, oh, hey, let's look for a church that practices what they preach. And, 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 and then you find, I mean, this is, I'm not making these things up, folks. You know, you find that here's a, here's a leader of one church that had thousands and thousands of people, so they have a breakup and they all kinds of things happening. Going. The next thing you know, he's caught out on the, on the highway driving 90 miles an hour and is arrested for DUI. And then no sooner than that, I pick up and I read something else and I find that somebody who's the leader of an of a international huge ministry, if I were to say the names of some of these things, you'd recognize them immediately. The leader of a, of a, a, whose father put him in place to lead this great ministry. And the next thing you know, he's caught. Separate incident. A different person. Out on the highway. Running 30 miles over the speed limit. Arrested for DUI. 
Do these people not know? Yes, they do. But here's what happens. Here's what happens. When you get caught up in doing it your own way, you will fail, you will fall, you will be defeated, you will go down, and you will go under, because God will see to it. Let us cry out. God, help us to cry out. Help my unbelief. God, I need you. Cover me. Cover me. I suppose that's why that song meant so much that I'm thinking about all these things that we sing that. And what I know is that he can cover us. What I know is that he can shield us. What I know is if we will walk with him. If we will walk with Him, if we will obey Him, if we will live for Him, if we will say, God, not my way, but Your way, I'll walk close to You. I'll serve You with all of my heart. It isn't a matter of what You do for me. It's a matter of what You allow me to do for You. I will serve You, God, at any cost, at any price. I'm going to walk with You because I will not fail You in these last days. God gives us the opportunity to live like that. And we can live like that. Amen. Go ahead and clap. Not for me, but for the truth. And then, and, then there are some, and then there are some who are really just completely honest about it all. You know, I know a missionary right now whose daughter, high school daughter, accused him of abusing her. All kinds of abuse, including sexual abuse. She accused him of it. He wasn't guilty. He was investigated by, his, by the Assemblies of God. He was an Assemblies of God missionary investigated thoroughly in every way and exonerated and declared it's not true. Why? I don't know. Why the, 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 the daughter, the daughter of, a, of a huge church, interdenominational Pentecostal church, comes to him when she's 15 years old and says, Father, I'm pregnant. She's pregnant out of wedlock. Now, it's one thing that to happen it's one thing to happen for a pastor who's a leader for a great church but you see these things come to that missionary no fault of his own I believe to that great pastor no fault of his own I believe and other things that I could name like that but when those things happen you see that's when we have to cry out Lord Lord I still believe but help my unbelief Hold thee fast, Lord. I don't understand. I don't know why. I don't have the answers. But I'm going to hold on to you till the answer comes. I'm going to stay faithful to you until you give me the answer. I'm going to do what you tell me to do. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to live for you. I'm going to love. I'm going to serve. I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to trust you, Lord. And I'm never going to give up. And that's what those men, the last men that I mentioned, that's what they did. That's what they did. And they're living in victory today because of it. And so, and so things happen that, that, that come to us that we don't understand. But we can live in victory over them. We can live in victory. Here, here's what happened with John the Baptist. I want you to really get this now. This is so, so important. John the Baptist recognized Jesus as the Son of God. When John the Baptist has a great ministry. He's baptizing people. Thousands of people are coming to hear him. And so here comes this lowly man from Nazareth. He walks up to the riverside one day and he wants to be baptized. And John the Baptist recognizes him in the spirit. 
If you want to understand how he recognized him, read John chapter 1 when John encountered Jesus at the river. And it'll tell you just how he, how he recognized him. And, and he recognized him in the Spirit, revealed to him by the Father who Jesus of Nazareth was. And John declared, I, I'm not going to baptize you. I had need to be baptized by you. And Jesus said, no, baptize me now to fulfill all righteousness. And then John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And when he said that, there was a message from heaven. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And the Spirit in the bodily form of a dove came upon him. And they recognized this is a setting apart of Jesus of Nazareth. This is the first declaration publicly that He is the Son of God. He is the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world. He is the Savior. He is the Messiah. And John the Baptist is the one who proclaims it. Now, fast forward. Some time passes. Maybe a year, year and a half passes. And John the Baptist gets arrested and put in jail by Herod because he's preaching the truth. He gets arrested for doing the right thing. Sometimes that happens. You put an ungodly person in place and they want to persecute somebody. So that's what Herod did to John. He arrested him and put him in jail. And John is now in jail and he keeps on hearing these wonderful things about Jesus of Nazareth. And here I am in jail and he's out there preaching and the multitudes are coming to him. What's going on, Lord? And so John gets some of his disciples and tells them to go talk to Jesus. And ask him some questions. So they go find Jesus. And they say, our, our master John has asked us to come and inquire. Are you the one that we have been looking for? Or should we look for another? Now, remember, this is the man who first declared publicly that he's the son of God. The Lamb of God. Savior of the world. John is the one who said that. And here he is now questioning, are you the right one? Why? Because if you are, and I stood with you and I proclaimed you, why am I over here in this damp, dark, old dungeon cell with Herod threatening to cut off my head? And you're out there preaching the gospel. Why? Why? Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. And, 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 and John didn't understand it. And, and I'll tell you this. He probably didn't understand it the day that Herod sent the man out with the sword to pull him out of the cell and take him out to the job block. And right up to the time he cut his head off, he probably didn't understand it up till then. But that's what happened, as you know. Now, there is no way to understand that other than to say God has a plan. God has a purpose. And I will walk in God's plan. I will keep to God's purpose. And I'm going to do what God says do, even though I do not understand. Just because you do not understand, does that mean you're going to do the wrong thing? Yeah, for some of you it does. Because the only way God's going to get you to do the right thing is if He explains it to you ahead of time and tells you why it has to be this way. That you're not going to get. You wait on that. Keep waiting on that. We'll check in with you. Let's see. July. Somewhere about Christmas, we'll check back with you. See if you, see if you can explain. <laughs> no, it's not going to happen that way. 
But just because you don't understand it, that means you're not going to choose the right way. Oh, listen, Pastor, if you just knew how I felt about this, if you, if you just understood, I know you Pastor, Pastor, listen, I know, I know, I know what you're saying is probably true, but listen, if you just knew how I felt about this, I mean, I mean, really, you know, I mean, really, my heart, in my heart, I just know, I just know, I just know, I just know. I know that God is, and this is what you're saying, I know that God is going to make an exception in this case. He's going to let me slide because it's me. How many of you believe that? Don't raise your hand. He's going to let me get by with this. I know what His Word says, and I know it's true. But I'll just tell you, Pastor, if you just knew, if you just knew, if you just knew, don't try to explain it to me. <laughs> because what I'm going to do is I'm going to come back to you and tell you what God's Word says. You say, but pastor, I, I don't understand. I, I, I don't understand why God wouldn't let me do it. Because why? Because I'm me. Why wouldn't God let me do it? I know, I know it's true. I know that his, what His Word says is true for most everybody. But why would He, why would he make me do that? <laughs> you just don't understand and I'm going to tell you as long as you try to work things out based on your own understanding you will be constantly praying if you pray at all help my unbelief as long as you try to base it on your own understanding that's why the writer of Proverbs said lean trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not upon your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge Him and He'll direct your paths. Lean not upon your own understanding, but upon the Word of God. Because when the Word of God goes contrary to your understanding, when the Word of God is contrary to your understanding, when the Word of God is contrary to your understanding, I'm going to tell you what's right. And you already know. It's the Word of God that's right. Not your understanding, but the Word of God that is right. And you say, but I know cases of people who did it this way and it worked out. How do you know it worked out? You don't know what's inside their life. You don't know what their condition is with God. You don't know what their relationship for eternity is. You don't know where they're going when they meet God. You don't know what's going to happen when they stand before the throne of God for judgment. You don't know. It may look like to you it's worked out. But maybe it hasn't. So can I just can I just take a just a few minutes to add on one more thing on this to put kind of the cap to all of this? Because this I believe is extremely important. I, one of the greatest mistakes that I have ever made in my life, if not the greatest, one of the greatest mistakes I've ever made, was in not in, was, in, was in failing to understand the anointing of God and what an impact it makes on your life. When God came to me years ago with a mighty, powerful anointing, in response to prayer and fasting, God moved upon my life. I've told you little pieces of it, never the whole thing, but I've told you little pieces about it. 
moved upon my life with a great anointing and with a declaration of his power. And, and the anointing of God is liberating. The anointing of God will set you free. You will feel at liberty. And the, pro, the possibility of confusing that liberty with license is extreme. You have to be very, very careful. The closer you are to God and the more He works in your life, you, the more you have to be very, very careful to walk softly before Him. To walk closely with Him. To stay in close, direct, constant touch with the Lord. Because the enemy will confuse you over that liberty. And God doesn't want that. God wants us, the more He does in us and through us, the closer He wants us to walk with Him. And it's extremely important that we learn that this is the basis of faith now. This is the basis of that faith. Help my unbelief. Here's the basis of that faith. You have to understand that you cannot have perfect faith until you have perfect love. I'm going to show you that in the scripture here. I'm going to prove it to you in the Bible. But I'm going to tell you that this is the explanation. Many of you have stumbled over this and you think it's a thing on, at the end time. When, but, but Jesus said, many will come to me in that day and say, Lord, haven't we cast out devils in your name, healed the sick in your name, done many mighty works in your name? And Jesus said, I will profess to them at that time, depart from me, I never knew you. Because here's the Your relationship with God is not based on what God does for you or even what God does through you. Your relationship with God is based on your love and fellowship in faith in Him. Now, why do I say that you cannot have perfect faith until you have perfect love? This is what Galatians chapter 5, verse 6 says. Paul is talking about the greatest conflict that has come into the early Christian church. The greatest conflict was between those who said you have to be circumcised and keep the law if you're going to be saved. If you don't, you can't be saved. And the others who said, no, you don't have to be circumcised and you don't have to keep the law. You're saved by grace and by grace alone, and that's all it takes. And there was a great tug between them. It was a division. It was a constant battle between them. And Paul speaks about it many times. That's what he's talking about in the book of Galatians when he says that the Galatians have been won away by those who had challenged their faith and brought them back into works. And this is what he says in the fifth chapter and the sixth verse. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision. I gave you that background to tell you why that's so important, why those two words are so important. Being on that side or on this side is not what matters. That counts for nothing, Paul said. What matters is faith that works through love. When the division and the separation and the contention is there. What controls faith is faith that works by love. And you say, well, Pastor, that's kind of extreme. I'm going to give you one more thing to show you how true it is. How many of you know what the great love chapter of the Bible is? 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13. This is what the second verse of 1 Corinthians 13 says. 
If I have all prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. But pastor, I, 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 I'd rather be able to move those mountains than to worry about love. That's because you got it backwards. <laughs> you got to get it in relationship to what the Scripture says. And I'm going to tell you, I'll, just, I'll jump ahead and I'll just tell you this one last thing. So Paul writes all of this and again and again, he says, if you don't have love, it doesn't mean, nothing means anything if you don't have love. No matter how spiritual you may seem, no matter how great wonders and signs may be, it doesn't matter. If you don't have love, it means nothing. And then he comes down to the very last part of the chapter. The very last verse of the chapter, he says, the 13th verse. He says, so now there remains three, these three things, faith, hope, and love. Three things that remain. Three things hold fast, steadfast forever. Faith. Praise God for faith. Hope. That assurance that our soul is secured in the sacrifice of Jesus and heaven will be our home. Hope. A wonderful, wonderful thing. And love. But the greatest of these, not faith. Well, I know you think it ought to be, but I didn't write it. The greatest of these, not faith, not hope, but the greatest of these is love. And the only way, listen now, listen if you don't get anything else, get this. The only way that love, the only way that faith actually can work is through love. You do not get perfect love by faith. You get perfect faith by love. Now hold on to that because that's where the test is going to come for you. You do not get perfect love by faith. You see, you, 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 that's what you have to do. Love is what you have to do. You don't get perfect love by faith. But you can get perfect faith by love. You can get to the level of faith where you want to be. You can rise to the level of faith that's victory. You can rise to that standard that God has for you in your life in faith. And you will do it by walking in love. Lord, help my unbelief. Help me, Lord, to love as you love. And that's the answer. That's the answer to my unbelief. That's the answer to what to do when faith fails. What you do is you walk in love and you keep on walking in love and you do not deviate from walking in love. You do not allow yourself to get pushed off the path of walking in love. You keep on holding fast and you walk in love. And if you want to know what love is, you want to understand what it is. I don't have time to tell you this morning, but I know somebody who can tell you better than I can anyway. Get a Bible and read it in the English Standard Version or perhaps the New Living Translation 
I recommend the English Standard Version. Get your Bible, open it up to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and read it. And then when you've read it, read it again. And husbands, when you get through reading it, go back and read it again. All the wives say amen. And wives, when you get through reading it, go back and read it again. And all the husbands say amen. Why was that louder than the first one? Because you were expecting it, that's why. <laughs> but it's true. It is true, my friend. I'm, t I'm telling you the truth. If you are going to live in perfect faith, you're going to have to walk in perfect love. Okay. If you hear this again sometime, don't be surprised. Because it's worth saying again and again and again. We've got to live in victory. Lord, help my unbelief. And to help my unbelief, now walk in the power of love. Hallelujah. Stand with me, please. Everybody standing, please. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. 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 What a precious, precious time in the presence of the Lord today. I, I, I know that some things that I've said to you today are just really practical, practical things. Down to earth, everyday, practical things. Thank God. Thank God they are. Because I'm going to tell you, my friends, if, if you want to grow in faith, you want your faith to grow, grow in love. That's what it says. That's what the book says. The greatest of these, greater than faith, greater than hope, the greatest of these is love. Praise God. And that's the answer to our cry. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Help my unbelief by giving me the guidance and the leadership and the direction and the will, the purpose within, to walk in the paths of love. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Bow your heads with me, please.